We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Holtz, my beer. Cam Hart and Ben Morrison is a solid cornerback tandem. I would <laughs> say that's a uh, Yeah. <laughs> Question, though. What are the chances Christian Gray and Micah Bell see the field regularly this season? I'm super high on those two as well. Um, Depends on what your definition of regularly is and where at. I would think that it would require it would require an injury for them to be regulars, especially Micah Bell. Christian Gray has a chance to get on the field. He would he would be the one that I would say have a chance, but as a tandem, very slim. Very because they'd be on the field together in mop up duty, you know maybe. that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe, you know? but even then, you're you're probably getting like Chance Tucker and Jaden Mickey. You know, yeah, well, mate, Jaden Mickey's going to play a ton. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Caleb Collins, are we running Tommy Reese's offense, but with more of a focus on RPOs, or is it a whole new system? Well, it's def- it's it's um it's neither. 
Right. If I had to pick what it's closer to, it's closer to the to the former. Former is always the first one, right? I always get that backwards. Former is mm-hmm. the first one, latter is the last one. Okay. Yep. It's going to be closer to Tommy Reese's offense with more RPOs than it is a whole new system. Right. There's going to be things you're going to see that are going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I've seen that play before. But it's going to have a, a much different spin on it this year. That's all right. I'm going to say. Like, there, and, and really what it comes down to is it's an emphasis different. Where if, you know, I have 30 pass concepts, and last year we used these 17. This year I'm going to use eight of the 13 we didn't use and then nine of the others, right? It's going to look a lot different, but you're still going to see a, some some similarities. You know, Tommy Reese is going to have calls he likes on third down. Jared Parker's going to have calls he likes on third down, and they're probably not going to be the same. That's right. always true. I mean, you take two great coordinators. I mean, Lane Kiff and Steve Sarkeesian, both great. They're going to have very different likes and dislikes and sure. plays that they like, even though they're both effective. So this isn't like, you know, Tommy Reese had stupid third down calls and Jared Parker's going to have good third down calls. It's just different calls. Right. right? Uh, Tommy Reese had certain things he liked to do in the red zone formationally, structurally, play call wise. And Jared Parker's probably going to have some differences in that regard. Now, they're going to be concepts that were there for both of them. It's just going to be different. And also, it's different personnel. I mean, we Tommy Reese's the last year's offense would have looked a lot different if Sam Hartman was his quarterback all year. Let's be sure. honest about that. Sure. It would have looked a lot different if Tobias was a sophomore and and you didn't have Michael Mayer and Jaden was a junior and Dion was a junior. Basically, meaning the if Tommy Reese didn't leave, the offense this year would look a lot different than it would have last yep. year. Yep, because the personnel is different. So part of the differences that you're going to see, Caleb, is the personnel. At, on offense has changed and we would have seen differences from coach Reese as well. I mean, if you go look at the 2021 offense, it looks nothing like the 2022 offense, same dude, different quarterback, different receivers, right. no Kevin Austin, no, no Kyron Williams, no Jack Cohn, um, a better offensive line. I mean, if Tommy Reese would have tried to run the Clemson game plan in 2021, Notre Dame would have got murdered because I mean, they couldn't run the ball like that. Right. They couldn't, they couldn't beat people like that. The, um, the 2022 team could, right? If Notre Dame this past season against Clemson would have tried to use the game plan that they used in 2021 against Florida State or USC, which was more pass-oriented, they'd have got slaughtered because they couldn't do that. Personnel is different. So that's going to be a factor in 2-2. So not only is it going to have Jared Parker's personality and likes and dislikes compared to Coach Reese's, it's going to look different because the personnel is different, which is going to make it look like a whole new system but it's really not. It's a lot of the same stuff. There's just a much greater emphasis on certain things and stresses on certain things that that we we um, we didn't see last year, right? So does that kind of does that make sense, Vince? Is that makes sense that, to me. Think that's absolutely. fair. Yeah, absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it, and it's going to be. I think to the naked eye, it's going to be similar, right? I, I I do think that now people that understand RPOs and what they look like. It's going to look different because they're just they're going to do more of them, right? And but the terminology and now we don't hear the terminology, right? I mean they they kept a lot of the things the same to ease the transition from one offense to another, mm-hmm. and so that's where I would say running Tommy Reese's offense. I mean they're keeping it as similar as possible from terminology and and all of that, so they don't have to learn something that's brand new, right? I mean this isn't the NFL where they've got 20 hours a day to, to to install a brand new offense, right? So there's going to be similarities. The, the formations are going to be similar, you know, things of that nature. But 
the actual nuts and bolts and how they get to things and how they do some different things. Like that's where you're going to see some differences for sure. You know, right. it, will it be obvious to some people? I mean, I don't, right. I don't, I, I'm not trying to, to say people are stupid and they're not going to notice the difference. I'm not saying that at all, but there's going to be differences. And I think they are going to be noticeable. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to I can't wait to see what this offense is going to look like. I really can't. Yo, I'm telling you, I tell I it's the pinball machine, man. I that's what I that's the vision I get. It's the pinball machine. Bling 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 just rolling yeah. up those points, man. Which safety will have the first touchdown from Tommy Guns? It'll be who we don't think it is. Right. Right. So it'll be like DJ Brown. Mhm. Or so you know, it won't be like Xavier Watts or Ramon Henderson. It'll be like DJ Brown picks scoops and scores on a fumble. Right, which would be great. I would love to see. Awesome. I would love to see it. I want to see more defensive touchdowns, or at least defense. Like I was watching, it was the um, it's a '93 opener against Northwestern. So I was watching some film of past seasons recently, and first play of the game, first play of the game against Northwestern. Um, I'm trying to remember the quarterback's last name it was Lynn something, but uh, Northwestern quarterback throws a pass, bats in the air. Pete Bursich picks it off and runs back for a touchdown. Talk about like, uh, hey, this kind of symbolizes what's about to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, with, with this football team. And um, he ended up ended up winning that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns are two of the biggest game changers oh. in, sport, in football. I mean, I they're hate- just – hate 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 the fact that special teams has become devalued by not by Notre Dame I'm not saying that but like definitely not <laughs> but 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 just from in, in college football in general it just right. feels like and and the rules have helped that Correct. okay I want to be clear on that the rules have definitely helped that but I just hate the way special teams has been devalued because special teams can just change the the, the everything about a game a return touchdown, you know, a block. I mean, how many times did a block punt change last year? I mean, right. change the game and the momentum and all. Clem- how long yeah, was I mean, it seven to so nothing many. in the Clemson Notre Dame game yeah. because of that block punt touchdown? Like second half of the second quarter. I mean, yeah, it was, it was exactly. Like Clemson so, game was that way, right? I mean, or Syracuse game was that way. You know, yes. Syracuse is starting to claw back a little bit. Notre Dame blocks that punt, recovered at the three, and score a couple plays later. I mean, those things are huge. Right. I think of the USC game in 2015 uh, when uh, when Equinemia St. Brown was it? Did did um, I feel like Amir blocked it and EQ scooped it up, or EQ blocked it and I forget how it happened, but like the scoop and score that uh, Equinemia St. Brown had in 2015. I mean, we. We've seen things like that. Think of the Chris Tyree yeah. uh, Wisconsin game. If Chris Tyree mm-hmm. doesn't take that kickback to the house in 2021 against Wisconsin, I, Wisconsin had gained all the momentum. Jack Cohen oh, had just yeah. been knocked out of the game. You know, Drew yes. had just gotten sacked and fumbled the ball, and Wisconsin took a fourth quarter lead, and then boom, just like that, Chris Tyree just case. takes all the air, and then Wisconsin never recovered from no. that. Like they had, they were so excited, and then this, the immediate dejection, they never recovered from that. Right, and it was and, because of that return. Yeah, and, and I think of the Fiesta Bowl in 2015. Part of the reason Notre Dame had no chance of beating Ohio State is because they had to go 85-plus yards every time they touched the ball because how good the coverage units were for Ohio State and how bad the return team was for Notre Dame. Sure. I mean, there was one time they kicked off, I think, and pinned Notre Dame inside the 10 on a kickoff. Right. It was at right. least inside the 15 multiple times. Like, that's great. That, that's game-changing coverage. Yep. Now, if you have an elite defense – 
and and you if I have Georgia's 2021 defense, I'm kicking the ball out of the end zone every time and making you go 75 yards because sure. I don't really care about trying to pin you back five, 10 extra yards because I don't think you go 75. I don't need to worry about trying to make the mistake of giving up a, a return. One one bad lane fit, and all of a sudden, that, you know, that, that SEC returner is taking that sucker back to the house. Right. But I also value the coaches that do try to do that, you know, that because the best teams still put value in that, Vince. I mean, you know, what, what hurt L- LSU last year a couple times really oh, special got teams crushed them. by special teams, you know, killed them. They were starting to make a little bit of a comeback against Georgia. I mean, the Georgia hadn't completely wiped them out yet. They go, that field goal gets blocked. And Georgia, Georgia's players were prepared to know to pick it up and score. LSU's were not. Correct. And Absolutely. game over. Let me let me ask you a question. When you think, I'm going to give you a player name, and I want you to tell me what you think of when I tell you this player's name. Tom Zibikowski. Great dynamic special teams guy. Yeah. And clutch guy, yeah. Right. Like, I don't think of him lining up as a safety. I think of him returning punts or, you know, something yeah. along like that. That's what I think of. Well, and so the first thing I think of when I think of Tommy Zibikowski, it's usually a, a play. And it's the punt returning at USC. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. And, I mean, he became a Notre Dame legend. Let's be honest. He's a, he's a Notre Dame legend. He became a Notre Dame legend because of what he did on special teams. Primarily, I mean, he he Primarily. did some big plays on defense too. He had some pick sixes and sure, you know, some big hits. But yeah, I mean, his most impactful plays in Notre Dame were punt returns. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, he had he had some big ones in 06 as well. Didn't he have a punt return? Was it North Carolina, Tennessee? I forget. Uh, but yeah, Tom Zibikowski he had. Um, I'm trying to remember Vince. He had another one in 2000 and. Six, I believe he had a, he had a punt return for a, a touchdown as well. I'm trying I'm trying to find it, but yeah, I mean, think of Rocket Ismail. Absolutely. I mean, Rocket had some huge plays on offense, but when we think of Rocket, what do we primarily think, think of? Think of kick returns, punt. I mean, yeah, and, I think of I think of yeah. the yeah, I think of the kick return against Miami in 2000 and, or 1990. I think of you know the the two kick returns against Michigan that won that game. Yep. And, I mean, they don't beat Michigan in, in 1989 if he doesn't have the was it. Eight, yeah, 89, if he doesn't have the two punt returns for touchdowns. I mean, those things are huge. They're absolutely huge. Uh, that's, I mean, look, honestly, special teams is partly why um, uh, Charles Brown Woodson won, the, won Heisman. The, the Heisman. Now, he also played offense. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. also partly why, why he won the Heisman because he had a, sure. a punt return. He had some big returns that year too. But I'm looking at Tommy's numbers. He had th- – here's what's crazy. He, he never played offense, and he had – let's see – seven touchdowns in his career. Unbelievable. Because he had two fumble returns for a touchdown. He had two pick sixes for touchdowns, both in 2005. And he had three punt returns for touchdowns. Two in 05 and then and, and then another one in, in 2006. So, yeah, it was he was uh, like, you take those away, he still remembered, but is he remembered sure. quite as much? Right. Exactly. And that's my point. Yeah. Like that's like he, I think he hits legendary status because of special teams, which is just making our point that special teams are important and special teams can turn the tide of a game and turn the tide of a season and turn the tide of a player's career. Right. That's, the, that's absolutely my point. Right. I have a funny story about Tom Zabikowski. I don't oh, know yeah? if I've told this one before, but I was actually at the Bowling Green camp 
when uh, Urban Meyer was there. I was working I at camp. Story. Yeah, yeah, and and Zibikowski was there, and there was a. Um, do you remember what year the movie Pearl Harbor came out? Oh man, no. Who won? Okay. The, the the actors were Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck. Yep. And there was this kid at camp that Zibikowski was buddies with that, and the kid looked a lot like Ben Affleck, and Zibikowski looks like Josh Hartnett. And so we just like me and Dan Mullen, some other guys were like messing with him, like you know the Pearl Harbor dudes, right? It was pretty <laughs> funny. He was a really good player, man. But uh, yeah, he's, he was a good player. He's a good player. I just feel like he, he his legendary status has made him, I think, perceived as an even better player than he was. No doubt right? about it. Like he was a good player, sure. But he was a guy that was a li- little limited in coverage, mm-hmm. you know. And I would put him at Rover. I know, I know, not everybody agree- disagree- agrees with that, but I absolutely would put him clo- uh, at Rover because, like, it minimizes not what he was close to the ball. Yeah, it minimizes not what he was close to the football. Yeah, exactly. Right. He'd be a dynamic guy doing that. I think he'd <sighs> no be a doubt. really good player doing that. Agreed. And then you're limiting the one thing he's not good at, which is deep coverage. Why is he not good at deep coverage? Because he always wants to come downhill and hit people. Because Tommy was fast, he just he wanted to come. He was too aggressive. He wanted to come down and hit people. That's why he wasn't good in coverage. But yeah, which safety on the first TD? Hopefully, yeah, we saw plenty of those with Tommy. He had four, <laughs> you know, defensive touchdowns in his career. But to your point, we remember the I remember the special teams touchdowns more than I remember the absolutely the defensive touchdowns. Absolutely, because he did it when it was just clutch. I mean, yeah. that pump. So the pump returning at USC that I, I've told you this story, right? Like we had a game that day and yes, I had my did. video guy set up the, cause like it was back when you could put like VCRs, you could plug the VCRs in the cable and you get yep. the basic cable. Yep. And then he would turn the, the, the VCR channel to NBC. And so as soon as the game was, I'm like quickly shaking hands. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm <laughs> boom, sprinting the locker room. And I get into the film room and it's the Notre Dame USC game is up on the big, the big screen. Right. And, and as soon as I get there and said, I'm like, okay, whew. Zibikowski fields that punt against USC and takes it back. And so I'm screaming, I'm going nuts, right? And everybody's like, man, he's really excited about that win today. I'm like, I don't give a crap about that. Like, <laughs> I'm we were knew, knew we were going to kill them. I care about this. So I think we were playing Chawan that day and we like absolutely blew him out. Uh, actually, no, now I'm going to think about it, Vince. Now I want to, I want to remember what team that was. Uh, that we were playing because we we smashed them. It was and October of just, 2005. Yeah. Do you remember the see what the day of the game was? It was. I'm looking at it now. It was October 15th. Okay. So I'm actually going to look at uh, at CNU's schedule that year. So that was 05. I'm pretty sure we were playing Chawan that day. Let me just look at it. I hope I'm right because otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. 2005. It was what did I say? It was October what? 15th? October 15th, yeah. We were playing Chawan. We beat them 47-26. So and they, they were terrible. So You let them score 26 on you? Come on, man. I played off. I was an offensive coach. Dude, <laughs> right? I mean, we hung 47 on them. What do, what do you want from me, Vince? <laughs> you know? What do you want from me? So, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, anyway. So, yeah, fun times, fun times. Wade Garrett. What would you need to see out of the Notre Dame the first few games to have confidence you can beat Ohio State? Well, I just I, I want to see the that the offensive line is still good, mm-hmm. and I want to see that the defense is is more is less big plays, more disruptive. I want to see a disruptive defense that's assignment correct, and I want to see an offense that can still control the line of scrimmage. Like I know 
like, and we'll talk about this as we get closer to the season. I don't think the offense is going to come out in the first three games and average 60 points a game. I, I think they'll, you know, probably do something against Navy. They'll put a lot of points on the board against Tennessee State just because the talent differential. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do against NC State. It may take them a few games to get everybody on the same page, but it's all building towards that Ohio State game. Now, you just got to do enough to win against NC. I mean, that's the whole goal against NC State, survive in advance. That's it. I mean, I don't care that you score 48 against NC State. That's going to be hard to do even if you were clicking at full speed. Tony Gibson's defense is not one that you can just go roll a million points on, right? You know, just just do what you got to do to win and keep building, and then you work out some of the kinks the next week against Central Michigan. But the offensive line needs to get rocking and rolling sooner than than it did last year because you're you're building on the Harry Heastan Foundation, not the Jeff Quinn Foundation, like Coach Heastan was working with. And I need to see the defense because the defense shouldn't should pretty much come out hot. Number one, defense is always better early in the season than the offense. That's usually the case, right? When you're when you're when you're in fall camp and stuff, but you've got a ton of dudes coming back on defense. I mean, almost your entire starting lineup from the bowl game is back. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about your, 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 you, you miss Tariq Bracy and Justin Adamiola. That's it. Jordan Patejo start was back. Howard Cross is back. Riley Mills is back. Your three linebackers are back. Benjamin Morrison's back. Um, Ramon Henderson's back. Xavier Watts is back. DJ Brown's back. They were your kind of trio. And the yeah. only reason t- Tariq uh, Bracy started at corner in that game is because Cam Hart was out with an injury. Right. So you you returned just about everything from your last the game you, last game you played in. So um, defense should should be better early. If if the defense takes four games to get going, I'm going to be really nervous. Yeah, I'm not going to be like the lights going to go on against the yeah. Buckeyes. You know, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to be very nervous. Disruptive is the is the key word for me defensively and. Uh, consistency on the offensive line to slash domination. If I'm being honest, like I need Mm -hmm. to see, I need to see some serious continuity with that offensive line, whoever it is, I don't even care who it is, but whoever's in that starting group, number one, hopefully they're all, they've all played all the games and I want to see some serious consistency, if not domination from the offensive line. So if I see those two things, offensive line and disruption from the defense, I'm going to feel really good because again, I, they're going to score. I, I, I know Notre Dame is going to score points. They are. But I want them to be able to score points the way they want to score points, right? Like, run the ball? Cool. We're going to run in the ball. Throw the ball? Cool. We're throwing the ball. Like, I don't want the defense to be able to dictate to the offense, and a lot of that has to do with what the offensive line is going to be able to do. So right. that's my offensive side. And then There's going to be some miscommunications in the past game, the first couple games. That's just going to happen. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. You know, you got a quarterback, no all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Archer, ESPN FPI projected every game for Notre Oh, this ought to be good. Having them with less than 50% win odds in two games, Ohio State and Clemson, and project a final record of 9-3 and three with college football playoff odds at 15.8%. Thoughts and reactions? I, I hate the FPI terrible no actually no that's not fpi no it's sp plus or whatever oh the that's the one that goes through espn yeah we, i just we, saw espn and I was yeah like, mm. so the f i'm okay with this actually i'm okay with this because it's a computer generated model that you're basically kind of doing it off of what's been right i mean notre dame lost to stanford and marshall last year so i'm not going to get pissed that they have them losing to a team that right now you you know you don't have them with less than 50 percent odds 
if if I was if you're doing odds, why like do I think Notre Dame's gonna be better than Ohio State this year? I do. Do I think Notre Dame's gonna beat Ohio State this year? I do. Do I think anyone that says Ohio State has better odds to win that game is out of their minds. No, why? Because Notre Dame hasn't won against Ohio State in all the times they've played. They haven't proven that they can consistently win these types of games. Now, look, yes, they did well against Clemson last year. But with all due respect to Clemson last year, Clemson last year is not going to be as good as Ohio State's going to be this year. They're just not. They weren't as good as Ohio State last year. So Notre Dame's got to prove they can win those games, Vince. Right? And as good as the Clemson was last year, game was last year, Notre Dame lost both of their really good road games by double digits. They lost by both of them by 11. So how can I sit there and say, well, they're going to beat Clemson based on what? Well, they beat Clemson last year. A, not the same teams. B, you're playing them on the road. You weren't as good on the road in those big games as you were at home in the big games last year. That's just a fact. So if we're looking at what Notre Dame has been, I think that's a fair, that's a fair thought and reaction especially for people that don't necessarily study the team the way that we do. I think they're going to be better than that. So if you're asking me my personal opinion on what is my prediction relative to that, my prediction is much more optimistic. I'm at 11 and one right now. But if you're just feeding stats and information into a computer, no problem with nine and three, I get that less than 50% against Ohio state and Clemson. Right. I'm okay with that. And then, Basically, you know, either they used to lose to USC or some other team you're not expecting. Well, you can't tell me – you can't be mad when a team that lost to Stanford at home and Marshall at home is being tasked with, well, you got to prove to me you can win all those games you're supposed to win. They haven't done that yet under this head coach. Uh, again, if, and I think the record would be the same if it was Brian Kelly here. It would just be you're going to lose to USC, Ohio State, and Clemson because you don't beat teams that are better than you under Brian Kelly. But you win all the games you're supposed to, Right. Right. So those are, those are the, the the things that I look at, Vince. I I'm 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 comfortable with that that doesn't offend me. That's fair. I, I think fair. they're going to be better than that, but I'm not going to be mad. We, right. we talk about it. Notre Dame has to prove that they can be the team Absolutely. I think they're capable of being. They have to prove that to people. There's no sure. question about it. I just think they're going to. So my, mine right. is projection. But if I were to come up with any kind of formula that, that that's going to take into account last year's results, I'm not getting eleven one kicked out to me. Right. It just there's no system that exists that way. And my or should exist that way. And if and if you do, then I'm like, ah, you know, because there's nothing extraordinary about they return an extraordinary amount of production or they return an extraordinary amount of depth starters related to everybody else. They do at certain key positions. Sure. But you know, they lost their all-time sack leader. They lost their the prime the main only weapon they had in the past game. I get all that. I'm cool, I'm cool with that. I can live with that, Vince. Um, it's not my prediction, but I'm I'm good with that. Now, if you just said like eight and four, now we're getting into silly territory, right? Sure, right. You know, because like now you're thinking they're going to, you know, I can't go. You're going, they're going to lose all the big games. Well, they didn't lose all the big games last year. They at least won one of the ones at home, which means if you're going to say Notre Dame is exactly like they were last year, they lose to Clemson, they lose to Ohio State, and they beat USC, right? Or they beat Ohio State and lose to USC and Clemson, like some one and two. That's what they did last year, all right? And then they're going to lose to somebody they're not supposed to. Okay, that's fair because that's what they did last year twice, right? Sure. And so even if you're banking for an improvement, nine and three is an improvement. So well, you're gonna but you're gonna have Sam Hartman this year, right? So that's why I'm going nine and three, not eight and four. Right. Right. So I mean I, I'm cool, I'm cool with that. I think they're gonna be better than that though. But I'm I'm cool with them kicking that out. Insured by big. Are y'all more excited about the run game or the passing game this year? I'm I'm more excited by the passing game because I think the passing game is gonna do so much more to help the running game. Like right. 
we know that Notre Dame can run the football. Absolutely. I mean, we know that. We watched them do that against a Clemson team with two first-round draft picks on the D-line, and Clemson knew what was coming. Yes. Right? There's nothing worse in sports than when – this is what we're uh, – me and a buddy last night were talking about, like, Larry Bird. We're talking about, like, players talking trash and all this kind of stuff. And we're talking about, you know, Larry Bird walking into the locker room at the first three-point contest, and he just looks around. And he's like, I'm just trying to see who's coming in second. I mean, that's some arrogance right there. But he was like, but that's Larry Bird. Like, Larry Bird can right. do that, right? But you, you listen to all these stories about how he would tell people. Like, one of my favorite stories, Jamal Bashman would tell the story. This is the year after Bird retired. They were a part of the dream team. Rodney Rogers, who was a college star at the time of Wake Forest, great player, says to Larry Bird, Jamal, according to Jamal Mashburn, he says, hey, 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 Larry, you haven't hit a shot since 84. Now, let's ignore the ignorance of the fact that the Celtics had won a title since then. Right. And Larry Bird had won MVPs since then. That's beside the point. Young Buck talking trash. So what Mashburn said is Magic heard that. So then when they went out to scrimmage the next day, Magic fed Larry like eight, nine possessions in a row. And Larry scored on every single one. But the worst part was he was telling Rodney Rogers was going to do, you know, uh, spin, baseline, step back, bucket, you know, left hand, <laughs> corner, glass. And he would tell him he was going to do it and then do it. And this is when he had already retired. But like there's so many stories about that. But like there's nothing worse in sports than when I know what's coming. And there's nothing I can nothing do. Nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's just like that's the most demoralizing thing. And that's what happened to Clemson last year. That won't happen again this year. They're gonna have to right. do reborn balance against Clemson. That's not gonna happen against Ohio State this year. That was a unique game, unique environment, unique situation, and they just were on. Great game plan, all of it. Sure. Uh you know, so we but the point is we know they can do that. Can they go out there and make the throws, the make the plays in the throwing game to right. beat Ohio State, to take sure. pressure off the run game, so then the run game can go, get going? If if Ohio State's going to say, "Hey, look, you're not going to beat us running the football," does Notre Dame have the ability to say, "Okay, cool, then we'll beat you this way"? USC Notre Dame hasn't that. been that team, right? Long USC time. did that. Yeah. They said, "You're not going to beat us running the f- your your O line is not going to beat us." Audric, Estime, Logan Diggs are not going to beat us. You're going to have to beat us with Drew Pine and Lorenzo Styles and those guys. And guess what? They couldn't. Couldn't do it. They made they put up yards. Drew went 23 of 26, but he had two huge mistakes that cost them that played a role in costing them the game. I'm not putting it, you gave up 38 points. That game's not on true. Right. Right. But they knew they could score and they knew you couldn't once they got that lead. And and Drew wasn't able to make enough plays to get them back in the game. Sure. You know, there was the fumble, the interception. The fumble was you know, big. So they were going to make Drew Pine beat him and he couldn't. Right. And that's what teams are going to – Are if I was smart, I would kind of have that same mentality this year. Yeah, they got Sam Hartman, but, I, I mean, I'm going to make Tobias Merriweather beat me. I'm going to make Chris Tyree show that sure. he's a wide receiver. I'm going to make Jaden Thomas. I'm not letting Audric Estime and Joe Walt and Blake Fisher beat me. I'm just – I'm not. I'm going to stop the run and pressure the quarterback and make those receivers Which beat is a great strategy, by the way, against Until this team of what other people know about this team going – like coming into the season. Yeah. You they know, absolutely. It. They got to prove it. So that's yep. why the pass game has got me more excited because if they can actually throw the ball like I, I think and hope they can, this offense is going to be a lot yeah. more balanced. Yeah. Caleb Collins, is Al Golden going to simplify the defense? Well, sort of. Not any more than he did the second half of last season. Right. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't think you necessarily need to do it more. They did simplify it a little bit last season. There are things I'd like to see them simplify a little bit. 
I would like to see them actually get a little bit more. And Mark, Coach Freeman talked about this. I'd like to see them get more complex with what they do pre-snap. Show a lot more coverage looks than they did last year. I think that's something, too, is they ran a lot of different coverages, but they couldn't show a lot of different looks. I would say they ran a lot of coverages. They 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 ran they couldn't run a lot of looks. It was easier to kind of get an idea of what they're going to do coverage wise. Sure. This year, I think you can disguise stuff a little bit more. Uh, I think you get a little bit better with the timing. I think it's a it's really an execution thing. But to me, this is the year that you don't simplify because you have so much experience yeah. coming back. Like it's kind of like well now now's not the time to simplify. Last year was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, But they did scale some things back in the second half of the year, which is why the numbers were so much better, which I pointed out yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to, to watch yesterday's show or not, Vince, but with those numbers I showed on the defense. I mean, the Notre Dame defense last year in the set, last six games of the season against a non-option team was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring those numbers up again just to, to, to remind people of this. But, like, guys, we, we saw this last year. And and it's about carrying over what they showed last year. And to me, I don't think you necessarily need to do that to simplify. Now, I think there needs to be things that you do that make sure that, hey, it can't be so complex that I can't get Jalen Snead on the field, that I can't get Nolan Ziegler on the field, that I can't get Ben Minnick on the field, that I can't get, you know, um, pick a younger guy. That, that needs to play, you know, Josh Burnham, Junior Telemaka, it can't be that. But we started to see that late last year. I mean, right. that's Notre Dame's production against non-option teams from UNLV on. Four of the six teams they played during that stretch were ranked opponents. Three of them finished the season ranked. And they're top 15 in, in every, almost every category in either yards or or per attempt. And even the ones that they were lower on, they were 27th and 28th in yards against pass, 28th in yards per attempt. They were top 15 nationally in, def- in total yards allowed, yards per play allowed. They were top five in tackles for loss per game and sacks per game. They were seventh in the country in yards per attempt allowed in the pa- in the passing game. Like that's the that's what we need to see. Carry this over into right. the season. And that included – it's like, well, but they didn't do that against USC. Correct. Why? Because against USC, what was the one thing they didn't do in that game? Play their game. Right. They tried to create some new defense for right. USC instead of saying, here's who we are. I'm going to make you beat us doing what we do. Right? And I somewhat understand it, but this year you hope that they can they can better – do that, and I think part of it was because you didn't have Tariq Bracy and Cam Hart. I, Correct. I, I was just gonna. You that, couldn't that just line be, up and play. We're those are gonna be the next words out of my mouth. They had to scheme around not having two of their best defensive players. Right. I mean, let's be honest, right? So, right. They but kind the of, they felt around like they, should have been involved yeah. stopping the run, Vince. Like, and we talked <laughs> about that before the game, dude. We talked about that in our show. Yeah, I know did. you guys talked about it. You, you got to make them one dimensional. You can't give up over two hundred rushing yards per game and think you're going to beat USC. It's not going to happen. Got a super chat from Michael Mahoney. Thank you very much, Michael. Brian, 10 reasons to be excited. That was your uh, show yesterday, show right? Yeah. It says, mm-hmm. great work, man. Thanks, so, buddy. You got Michael excited. I appreciate that, Michael. I enjoyed doing it. I did. It was a fun show. Got me excited. But <laughs> I hope I hope it did some of you as well. James O'Reilly, other than guard and safety, what other position battles are you looking forward to in camp? For me, it's receivers and one linebacker spot. Not that I wouldn't love to see the light come on. You're talking about Maris. I mean, I, I get that too. I, but I still think the battle is going to be important, right? Sure. I, 
to me, some of the battles I'm looking forward to, obviously, who's going to play where at receiver. That's going to be fun. Uh, guard, right guard, B1, obviously. But some of the other battles are like, who's going to be the next guy in as part of the mm-hmm. rotation? Yep. Right. Back like, who's going to be the number two back? There you go. Right. Yep. Exactly, Vince. Number two back. Uh, who's going to be in my rotation on the edge, defensive end? Yep. Who's going to be the two safeties to start? And who's going to be the guy that rotates in? Who's the number three? Um, you know, who's the, or excuse me, who's the number three corner? Yep. Is it Clarence Lewis or Jaden Mickey? There's th- those are the battles that I'm really looking forward to. Sure. This year. And, and, and not even just on, it's kind of battles, but I, which veterans get pushed by younger players mm-hmm. say, Hey, you better bring it today. Sure. Right. Like that, that's also something I love to see. And I'm looking forward to seeing. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun too. Cause like, imagine if Notre Dame comes out in the first couple games, first three games, Audric's doing okay. But Jadarian comes out like doing his best Dexter Williams from fit 17 impression where he's averaging like nine yards a carry. Like, don't think Audric's not going to see that and be like, okay, you know, not not that he's going to be nervous, but it's more of a, I can't let this dude be the dude that's exactly. falling. I got to step up and do yep. what I do. Get off my lawn. Right? I got this. Like- yeah. yeah, anything you can do, I can do better. Type right. of thing. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, you know, and then some poor soul for Ohio State suffers because you know Audric mm-hmm. face plants him because he's like, okay, I can't get shown up in my own my own house. You know what I mean? So you want to see that kind of stuff too. Uh, and, and it's so it's it, even though it's not a position battle, it's kind of like, hey, I better, I better step up and bring it today. You know, where Jordan Patelho knows he can't take a step back because if he does, man, these young bucks over here are balling out. Like I got to sure. ball out too. That's that's what I love to see. Gabriel, I mean, Gabriel Rubio may not be in position to like beat out Riley Mills, but if he's balling out, then Riley's going to know he has to ball out. Right. Because, hey, I can't I, I got to justify being this guy, being this guy that could see snaps. That's what makes you good, man. Like at Georgia, if you're a defensive lineman at Georgia and you're a starter, you better bring it every day. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. there's some young buck chomping at the bit that's as good, if not better than you. And that's partly why you see them be as good as they are. I, I love that kind of competition. Vince, I do. And I, I think we're going to see more of that at Notre Dame this year. I really do. I really do. Punter. I want to know who's going to win the punting battle. Yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> I'm being no, sarcastic to no, a degree. That's, no, that's to a degree. Yeah. It's right. Bryce McPherson, Ben Krim. We don't know who, yeah. the answer, who that's going to be. Because yeah. here, to your point. super man, high on Bryce McPherson when he came in. Yeah. Super yeah. high. We'll see what he does. He's had some injuries and right, stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Held him back. I'll say this too. John Sott was one of the most. Oh, my gosh. Money players in their name that, that didn't get talked about a lot. Yep. He was so good last year. That that's important. That's that Absolutely. kind of thing's important, man. Field, look, field position's important, and yeah. I I'll tell you that right now. Field position is incredibly important. I, my son's high school coach told him yesterday. He's like, look, he goes, I don't care who's kicking extra points. He goes, anybody can kick an extra point. He goes, mm-hmm. what I care about is punting. He's like, that's what I need you to be able to do. So you better figure out how to be a punter, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like. Even at this level, even at the high school level, man, like field position is incredibly important, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Yep. He ain't wrong. He nope. ain't wrong. That's very good advice. Cause, hey, we can just go for two, man. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Although I did see one high school coach around here who used to kick field goals from wherever he was. Cause I guess it counted as a punt because of the rules. Which was yeah. Really dumb. The first good team he played. 
Penn, uh, it was, I think it was Penn. They returned two of those for touchdowns. Yes, they did. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was with, um, okay, they went to Notre Dame. Uh, went to Idaho. Um, no, no, no. This is way back when Garrett Dieter and uh, David um, Perkins were oh, playing Perkins. in Washington. Okay, so that was before yeah. Moala's time. It was yeah. before Moala, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have any Notre Dame players on that team. No, they didn't. Which so made it even really worse. Co- they had really smart coaches. Yes, they did. Who are still the coaching staff now. <laughs> this well, is another yes, conversation. They did. Yes, they did. <laughs> Tommy Guns, on a scale of 1 to 10, what level would you say the safeties played at last year, and what is your expected number for this year? That's a good way of putting it. Uh, I'd say 6. Yeah, that's exactly my number. You know, um, what is your expected number this year? Man, my expected number is (laughs) 6. I mean, they got to prove it, right? Uh, No, my my hopeful number this year is is like 8. You know, that's where they're getting that – because, like, what I don't think they have – is even like Xavier Watts, like they don't have like a Caleb Downs. They don't have a Kyle Hamilton from 2020. Sure. They don't have Harrison Smith from his last two years, 10 and 11, like where he was a star. They don't have that. Even Xavier Watts. Xavier Watts is more a Lohi Gilman, maybe even a better version of Lohi Gilman, who's a, who's a, who plays the National Football League, right? right. A football player. Right. But there's a difference between that and Harrison Smith. Sure. Right. So you'd need that to be like a nine or a 10. You know, the eight for me is more about the production level, the clutch. I mean, you're, you got a fifth year senior. No, I'm sorry. You have a sixth year senior and two seniors in your safety rotation. Like it's time to step up now, right? It's time to start making more plays. And I think they have guys capable of making more plays, but they don't have as Caleb Downs, Kyle Hamilton, 2020 version, Harrison Smith, you know, that type of guy. They don't have that. Right. They don't have that. Yep. Agreed. I got to ask this one, Vince, because it's for you. Vincey. Vince, how comfy and good looking is that white pullover? Dude, this is one of my favorite items. I'm not going to lie. I wear it to my other job quite frequently. Uh, I wear it anytime I don't happen to have a IB t-shirt on, which is today. But I love it. It is just light enough. Where I'm not overly hot, but it's but it's heavy enough that it does the job that it needs to do. I I freaking love this thing, man. I I was pushing for Brian to get a quarter zip for a long time, and he waited because he wanted to make sure it was the right one, and he, he knocked it out of the park. Like yeah. this is I love this so much, so much. And I had to do some research on it to make sure it was a uh, being made at a place that would allow us to morally feel good about selling it. So, I love this thing. Yeah, I wear it's it very time. comfortable. And there's also a, a gray and a navy blue version yep. of that, which you all yep. have seen me wear on the show. Yep. White, I just white's not uh, my color. I know. I might. I may have to. I may have to jump in and get either the navy or the gray at some point. But I love the white one, man. It is yeah. awesome. Yeah, hey, just let me know. You know, I'll get that. <laughs> T guns. Who has more interceptions? One of Hart or Morrison. Whoever has more, or the safety group. Ooh, um, I'm hoping it's the safety group. Right. And here's why I say that. If it's the safety group, it means that Morrison and Hart are dominant in coverage. And, you know, you're you're just – you're not throwing at them. And that's great for the defense. If they're just like, man, screw it, we're just not throwing at these guys. Right. You know, and the safeties are making a lot of picks. That's great. 
that's great for them. Um, I, I, it's kind of like I pointed this out in the show yesterday, or was it the day before? I forget, Vince. But you know, like Todd Light had eight. No, actually, I was talking with somebody the other day. I don't know if I, I don't think I said this in the show, but like Todd Light had eight interceptions in 1989, right? That, that's or was it 1988? I think it was 1989 because he didn't play in 86. Let me just look this up real quick. I think I think he had. Uh, and it was, I think it was 1989. He was an All-American. He had eight interceptions. He was an All-American next year, and he had two interceptions. That was 89. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he had – I'd have to go look. I don't know what he had in 1988. It wasn't a lot. But 1989, eight picks, and he was an All-American. He had two of the next year was All-American. Well, why did Ty Light only have two interceptions in 1990? Because nobody like, threw at him. Not throwing at him. Not throwing at him. And, and so, you know, that, that factored into it, obviously a great deal. I, I, I'd be, there's no way, I don't think there's any way Benjamin Morrison ever matches his freshman number in interceptions. Right. I just don't think it's going to happen. Why? Cause I don't think people are going to throw at him enough in those ways for him to get six picks again in a year, you know? And so I just, yep. I just don't see that happening. And um, this is kind of a, the safeties uh, are making it. Do you take the individual or do you take the field? You know what I mean? That's kind of what this feels like. And I'm right. going to take I'm going to take the field in hopes that those guys not only step up their game like we were talking right. about earlier, but also I just think Morrison and Hart are going to be so good that they're just not going to get right. as many opportunities. So, well, cuz like the field. Vince, if if Benjamin Morrison had had six if he plays a four-year career, which guys used to do all the time and it's going to sure. make sense why I'm saying this, if he, if he would have done that, he'd be in a situation where he would have 24 interceptions, which would rank fourth all time, right? Like, like Dre Bly played three years in North Carolina. He had 20 career interceptions in three years. That's phenomenal. He only had over six once because he made 11 as a freshman and then nobody didn't throw on it five and four. That's still a lot for the position, you know, but he never got to six again, right? I also threw an interception to Dre Bly, FYI, my first high school game. Congratulations. Just a scrimmage against Western Branch. Um, <laughs> so I know what it's like to be intercepted by Dre Bly. I do. That's great. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you're, he no, they just didn't throw at him enough. Did Dre yeah. Bly get worse his next two years? No, of course not. He's in, there's no way they're going to give him a chance to have 11 interceptions. So, yeah. I, now, if they do have that number again – they are an unreal cornerback yeah. because oh, what yeah. that means – actually, you know what, Vince? You can make the case that the opposite of what I said is true because if the corners get thrown at enough to have that more – like more interceptions than what they had last year. Now, this isn't a response necessarily to, to Tommy's question because they could have three interceptions and still be more of than the safeties. That's not – what I'm, I'm kind of changing. Like if if, if Cam and, and, and or Benjamin are both kind of getting close to – Benjamin's number from last year, then that means teams are still thrown at the corners because it's too risky to throw to the safeties, which means one, if not two things are true. One is the pass rush is too good. They don't have time to get the ball down the field to attack on some of the more vertical routes against safeties. And B, it's because the safeties have made a lot of plays and now they're having to go back outside. That Those are all good signs. But absolutely. I, I just don't see that happening. I could see like Cam with like three or four and Benjamin with like two or three. Sure. Something like that. And then I hope the safeties are still more than that is my right. Individually. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh, this is the new one. Mark Avalone. With increased player rotations, how does Notre Dame handle who makes coverage calls between the cornerbacks, safeties, and even the linebackers? It's it's a position thing, Mark. That's a good question, but that's why you make it a position. So whoever's the mic makes the calls, right? So whoever's the whatever field safety or whatever certain look. So there's going to be certain calls that are going to be there, have to be made by certain positions, no matter who's there. It's like whoever the center is, you need that guy making calls. Whoever the quarterback is, he needs to be able to make protection checks, things like that. So you just make it to where it's part of the Mike's responsibility. And then you just say, hey, look, if Nolan, if you're going to be in the game of Mike, you've got to be able to make those calls. Uh, Drake, if you're in the game of Mike, you've got to be able to make those calls. So uh, now the other thing you could potentially do is some of those calls, you know, you, you kind of just you just make the call. Right. And maybe you have like a, a will or a safety that's got to make that check. But you don't really want to be in that situation. If a, if a Mike can't make the call, then you can't put him in the game. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of it. So absolutely. It, it, it comes down to positions. Yeah. And some and I don't know specifically about Notre Dame, but I know that they have obviously calls that come in from the sideline as well. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes they can take that off of the player and then they can just call it in from the sideline. But when you you want to have somebody in there that can potentially override if it's a bad look, you know, all of those different things. And so, you know, it just it just all depends. Tommy, which safety does IB feel like the IB crew would be able to score the most TDs on from the eight yard line? Route is your choice. You're playing receiver with Hartman at QB. So in other so, words, we're lining up at wide receiver. I would hope no one yeah, I hope everybody on that roster could cover all of us. I mean, if any of us could score a touchdown against one of the Notre Dame safeties, even when I was in my prime and was a college receiver, I was a Division three college receiver. If I could score touchdowns on Notre Dame safeties, there's a big problem. Big, big problem. And I don't care if Tom Brady in his prime is the quarterback, Peyton Manning, <laughs> John Elway. But the only person I can maybe do is like John Elway because he just threw it through the hands of the other guy and I could still catch it. You right. Know? But no. No. The, no. the only way this works is if they're playing, you know, a hash if safety. If it's a blown coverage and they forget it, yeah, to cover me. Exactly. It's a hash <laughs> safety. I'm playing in the slot and it's a, from the eight-yard line. And as soon as I get to the goal line, I turn around and there's the ball. And like he fell down. <laughs> Coming to me? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's something yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. And I don't want to feel what the hit would be like coming from behind no. either. No. Because <laughs> I don't like, know that, that, I, I don't know that I'd get up at this point. That would point. be bad. I'm too In old. my prime, I might have been able to make a like a, a jump ball fade. I was pretty good at that. I had pretty good hands. So, like, if the ball was thrown perfectly, I might be able to make, like, a jump ball kind of back sure. shoulder type of things. Pretty good at that. Um, like, when I was coaching, I would challenge my players that. We would have one-handed uh, oh, end okay. zone catches. So, but, like, I didn't want them doing one-handed stuff unless it was being part of a drill. Yeah. So, we would work on it to where, you know, you would basically have to act as if, like, your other hand was being held. Okay. You only use your right hand. Or you can only use your left hand. So, then I would do it with them. And I would usually win because I was I had really good hands. But yeah, maybe that in my prime. But right now, dude, I just pulled three muscles thinking about running a fade route. Right now. <laughs> Even from the eight yard just, line. Just yes. <laughs> just, from the eight inch line. Yeah. I just pulled two muscles. 
Oh, so man, nice. that's great. Tommy, how many of the safeties are faster than Jack Kaiser? I don't know this one. Well, Ramon. Maybe Xavier. Maybe Ben Minnick. Maybe. So at the most three. Okay. DJ's not. Ramon's not. I mean, uh, Antonio Carter's not. And Adon Schuler's not. And that's not because they're slow. It's because Jack Kaiser's really fast. Yeah. Because remember, yeah, Jalen Sneed ran a 4-5-4 at a camp his senior year, and he is, at least as a freshman, was not faster than Jack Kaiser. Jack Kaiser is probably the fastest linebacker they have. Not saying something because they have some guys can run. He just has really short arms and he's just not real big, but yeah, right. Run. Right. I mean, you saw him in high school, Vince. I mean, that kid was an, I mean, oh, I don't care what level of play you to put him in. It was, it was, it was silly the level he was at, right? Correct. He was was at 1A, which is the absolute smallest, like one stoplight in the town type of school. And so they're playing other small schools. You could have put him in the indie league and he still wouldn't matter. He still would have been Mr. Football in Ohio. I mean, he was a phenomenal football. He was in Indiana. He was an Indiana guy, wasn't he? Isn't that what I said? And you said Ohio. Did I? Because mm-hmm. I said you could put him in Indianapolis. And then you said he'd be all he'd be the best player in Ohio. Oh, Indiana. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I didn't mean to say he'd have been like the Mr. All all what would they call it? Mr. They call him Mr. Football. Yeah, yeah he Mr. still would have been that. Oh, he yeah. still would have been that. He was he, he put up like 7,000 yards or something ridiculous like that. He had like that. 70 like, touchdowns one year. It was, it was really just ridiculous. It was just absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to see if I can find his high school number somewhere. Because somebody he, put it on the board, I think, uh, yeah. fairly recently. Yeah. As a senior, Jack had 18 passing touchdowns, 44 rushing touchdowns. So that's 62, right? And then he also had, I think he had some special teams. They don't show his special teams numbers here. Actually, here we go. Defensively, he had, let's see how many touchdowns he had on defense. Scoring. Okay, we'll just go to this way. So as a senior, he had 46 total touchdowns. And then you add the 18 passing. So that's 64, right? He had put it like this, and then he scored thirty six conversions. Right, <laughs> obviously didn't so, kick. Was, was he <laughs> was he the kicker? Hold on a second. I don't know. He probably yeah. He did was everything. a place kicker. He kicked okay. thirty six extra points. Okay, yeah. Why not? Kicker. Why not? You know. Yeah. So he had uh, forty four rushing touchdowns as a senior. One touchdown on a fumble return. One touchdown on an interception return. As a junior, he had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, he had two punt returns as a touchdown as a freshman mm-hmm. and a kick return touchdown touchdown as a sophomore. So Jack Kaiser in high school scored 140, scored 145 touchdowns by himself and then also passed for 59 yard, 59 more touchdowns. I could counted for 200 touchdowns in high school. That's, I don't care what level you're at, Vince. That's right. Stupid. Seriously. That's just dumb. He had 3,700, 3,771 passing yards. And he had 7,364 rushing yards. So he, he had over 10,000. He had over 11,000 yards 11, of offense. And then for, you know, you know what's in giggles, as a true freshman, he had nine catches for 122 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, sure. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, that's just absurd. That's just really silly. If you I mean, you know, so and he had um, he had eleven thousand two hundred fifty-one seven career yards of offense, rushing, passing, receiving. He also had four hundred eighty-five career yards and kick returns, nine hundred fourteen career yards and punt returns. And 289 career yards and interception returns. I'm actually going to add this up. So just on returns, <laughs> just on returns, Jack Kaiser had 1,688 yards. So he, he had add those 12, to his 000. offensive yards, and he had 12,945 yards. So 13,000 yards touchdowns. Of all I don't purpose. care what level of football you're playing at. That's uh, just stupid. That's just dumb. And it's not like he did most of it passing. Like Everett Golson had a, over 12,000 yards of offense in high school as well. But he, it's because he threw for a ton of yards. He threw for over 10,000 yards in his career. He did this and only threw for 3,000 yards. Right. You know that's what I mean? Big, like, that's not the chunk no. of the yardage. No. No. I, most of that he did with his own legs, not somebody correct. else's legs. Correct. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would challenge so, people to walk 13,000 yards. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. He was uh, he was nuts. Do you know uh, Ryan pointed this to me? Do you know the most touchdown passes that's ever been thrown by a high school quarterback? No, Do you know what it is. Do you know who it is? First of all, Mm-mm, I don't. I it's don't. from Rico Flores's high school, although it's before Rico's time. It's uh, Jake Browning. Remember him? I know the name. Kid that played at Washington a few years ago. Okay. He had. I'm trying to find the number here. He had. Where's the senior year? Where's the touchdowns? Do they not have it there? Give me a second. It, they got it like blacked out for some reason. That's really weird. Uh, it's really strange. Confidential Hold on a second. information. Yeah, is it like a state secret or something <laughs> like that? Uh, let me see here. Let me find Jake Browning, Washington. It was like something like 90 touchdown passes. Just nuts. Absolutely nuts. In one year? Yeah, in one year. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So let's, let's look at see if they have it this way. So... Here we go. They have 91 as a senior in high school through 91 touchdowns. Wow. It was like in 16 games. Like he threw seven, six, seven, seven, five, three, eight, four, three, six, eight, six, 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 three, six. He had two games with eight touchdown passes. Yeah. And he rushed for five. Good. So, yeah. Lord. Responsible for 96 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. He had 75 the year before. I mean, that's just basically every time you get in the red zone or anywhere, you're just you're still throwing it. Yes. You know, that that's that's what that is. He had 10 touchdowns in a game as a sophomore. Like for, they won 68 to 28. Like that means every touchdown they scored was a touchdown. But why was he in the game? Exactly. At that point in time. Um, you know, but yeah, there so are he had out there 91, 70 something, and 60 something touchdowns in his career. Jeez. So yeah, that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And had that great sophomore year at Washington, too. You know, like he he led him to the um, college football playoff. Remember, he had, he had John oh, the Ross. The one year that Washington went. Yeah. He had, uh, had John Ross and he had Dante Pettis as his receivers. And he just never, never lived up to that again. Hmm. He had 43 touchdown passes as a sophomore, threw for 3,400 yards. The next year, he threw for 2,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, five picks. The next year as a senior, he threw for 31-92, 16 touchdowns, and 10 picks. Just was never the same player after that year for some reason. Don't know why. Just was never the same guy. It's interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Back up. 
Do you expect that's, any more? What for those listening via podcast? That's literally the guy's name. It's B A A A A A A C C K K U P P P P. I had to say so, it. How it's written. I mean, written. Vince I mean, is showing respect to the guy's name. Yeah, absolutely. Do you expect any more transfers in or out before kickoff in Ireland? There might be some guys that leave. I mean, that you know, there might be a guy that leaves because he gets beat out in fall camp. That, I can't rule that out. Uh, I don't know who that would be. I don't have anyone in mind. It just it's part of the game. Yeah, just part of the game. Sure. No one's going to transfer in at this point in time. That's no. not transfer. And then they've got some transfers we haven't talked about that are like like Cole Avery, Aubrey. Uh, they transferred from Penn. They had another kid or from Princeton. They had another kid from Penn that transferred in who's a who like had a, a sack for Penn. I mean, he's you know he's more coming here for school. Good pro, you know, scout team guy. Not the guy that's going to help. There'll be some sure. guys like that, but that that are already on the team that you may not have heard of. I think Grant Risto is the kid's name, but I, no one's going to transfer in. Like, I mean, I think all the portal guys have kind of figured out where they're going to go if they're going to go anywhere. Going and there's still anywhere. a lot of kids that don't have homes. That's a sad thing. There's that's, a lot of kids that jumped in the portal that don't have homes anymore. There's a problem with the portal. They don't have right football there. homes anymore. No. Because now they're not yep. playing football anywhere and they're not going yep. to school. So, yep. <clears throat> Caleb Collins, predict your first team all all Americans for every position. Holy smokies, that's a lot. Predict your first team all Americans for every position. Uh, yeah, I have, I have no clue. Like I'd have to sit down <laughs> and think about that. I, let's do this. Who 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 predict your all predict all Americans for Notre Dame this year? Okay, right? Because I, I I mean I I could give you like a cursory list of some names but I, I i haven't done the study i would need to do to pick ones at every position are we are we talking just first teamers? i'll say this let's pick let's pick an all-american one all-american per one first team all-american per position predict one guy that will be a first team all-american per position so we don't have to do five offenses alignment just do one so uh quarterback i i still think i still think caleb williams will probably be a first team all-american now he may not win the heisman again sure it's a different deal, but his stats but would be good. I still enough predict that, him. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I agree. So running back, um, obviously you have Blake Corms, Blake a popular Corm. pick. Uh, some I've seen some people with Travion Henderson, some guys like that. Vince, anyone, anyone that you? Uh, I mean, Corum was the first one that came to mind for me. I think the problem with Blake Corum is because he's coming off the injury, right? I could see Michigan taking advantage of the fact that they have such a good running back in, in sure. Donovan Edwards to not overload him mm-hmm. too much this year. I could you think see Michigan's that, like that smart. Yeah. I mean, dude, they've been to back to back playoffs. So just asking. Apparently. I'm just, so, I'm just yeah. asking the question. I think they would. I think they would do something like that. Okay. Uh I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go outside the box a little bit and pick a guy that I loved coming out of high school. I'm I'm gonna go with Quinshawn Junkins. He's gonna be my pick for first team all-american running back so okay. i think he's going to build on last year archer i see that archer just now put him in the chat as well uh wide receiver that's an easy one it's marvin harrison jr that's a really easy one vince yeah yeah um, i mean he, and and he's got the hype to go with it i mean and he's you know he's really phenomenal good. yeah really <laughs> absolutely good. freaking phenomenal yeah uh, tight end. Who's your pick at tight end, Vince? Is there are there any good tight ends coming back this year? Anyone? Brock Bowers. I mean, Brock Bowers <laughs> is obviously the one that co- that comes to mind. If I mean, it's not Brock Bowers, a, a dark horse for me would be a Rondé Gadsden at uh, Syracuse, who's okay. really good last year, and he is a tight end. Offensive line, Joe Alt. Joe Alt. Um, that's, that's an easy one. Yep, I'm taking Joe Alt and running with him. Yep. All right, Vince. Here's here's where it gets a little bit tougher. Okay, let's 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 go D line. Okay. 
Okay, who's who? I see you got your trusty, uh, trusty um, old magazine out there. Let's go D line. I'm not, who, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to hide it. It's all good. You don't, you can look at it. I, people be silly to just think you can pull all that off the top of your head. <laughs> well, he, I love the can, fact but, that I love yeah. the fact that uh, that Caleb thinks we can do it. I, I, I think if he's healthy, I really think Jared Verse is going to be a stud this year because he's going to have a lot more help this year than he did last year at Florida State. So yep, that's, that's an easy true. one. That's a little bit of a lazy one, Vince. Anybody else that kind of stands out to you that? I'm looking you know, at some of these names and no, nobody's jumping out at me that I'm like, yeah, that guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and go to that one. Are you All right, let's go. Defensive tackles too, or are we just doing no, defensive, just defensive line? line? Okay. Yeah, just All defensive right. line. All right. All right, Vince. Let's here's here. We're going to have a little bit of fun on this one. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull one up that people are going to be like, you're I out got, of your mind. I've got my linebacker for sure. Okay. Who's your linebacker? I, I'm just a big fan of Tommy Eichenberg. I yeah. just watching him play and he just, he, he's in the right place all the time. He's a gamer. I, I know he's from Ohio state. I get it, but Hey, look, he's Liam's <sighs> little brother. So I'm always, yeah. You know, I mean, it, I want him to only have one not good game next year. That's it. Absolutely. I only want him to want to have one game that he doesn't play great. Yep. Uh, that's yeah. I'm going JD Bertrand. Okay. That's my prediction. Okay. I'm going to have one bold prediction here. And then uh, let's go safety and then uh, corner. Let's just have a little bit of fun here. Corner, I'm going Benjamin Morrison. If I had to go somebody else, I I really like Caleb King. I do. The kid from Penn State. I think he's Mm -hmm. really good. I think he's really good. Safety is a little bit tougher for me, Vince, because I'm not. I'm not as locked in on who on who all the best safeties are coming back next season. So safety is a little bit tougher for me. A lot of underclassmen. Um, I, I really like Malachi Starks from Georgia. I could see him breaking out as a sophomore and being an All-American type. He was really good as a freshman last year at Georgia. That's that's probably one I'm leaning towards a little bit. I don't know if he's on there. If he's on people's, he might be the one that you're looking at. I don't know. He probably is like second or third. Something you say like that. Starks? Starks, yeah. Seven, or fifth on this list. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna have a really good year, and he's gonna get he's gonna have the preseason recognition because of the name and all that other kind of stuff. But uh, uh, that's sure. my predict my pick at safety. Okay, I like it. So yeah, those are my those are some of my predicts for all Americans, Vince. So cool. and that's that's gonna that's gonna do it, man. Man, that's a tough. Like you could do a whole show on that, mm-hmm. like with some research and things like that. We could do an entire show on that. But that's yeah. a great question. Great uh, we, question. We we had this one real quick. Uh, Will Indy said, "Could Bob Diaco still be a successful coordinator in Power Five?" I, I don't think so because I think Bob Diaco was really smart at that one defense. I don't think he had the ability to adjust and and coach more of a modern game. So I don't I don't think so. Not at a Power Five. No, not a Power Five. Not a good Power Five. Anyway. So, yeah. All right, Vince, take us out of here, man. Cool, man. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share with your family and friends. We've got the uh, – we got a, there's a show on tonight, uh, the IB Nation Sports Talk. There's a guest coming on. Sean wouldn't tell me who it is. He says it's a big surprise. So you're all, we're all going to have to find out together tonight at 6 o'clock. And then tomorrow we've got – you know what day it is. It's the Friday free-for-all mailbag, and Ryan and I are going to We may have something special going on tomorrow. We'll see. Okay. We'll on it. I lo- see, be that's part, a tease. be part of the mailbag. 
Yeah. It's a tease. So hit that notification bell so you know what's coming up, folks. That's what you got to do. I, I'm teased. I don't even know what's happening. This is awesome. Yeah, I know. So, I just texted Sean. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, he better tell me. It's like hey, do not <laughs> tell Vince, but uh, I'm the one who signs him checks, baby. So I want to know. I want to know who's coming on tonight. So, yeah, but uh, we we may have a little something. We're working cool. on having a little something special at the beginning of uh, tomorrow's show. Beautiful. So yeah, so, we'll see. There you and go. Then, of course, so you and I on Saturday, one o'clock yep. on Saturday. For a normal um, yeah. scheduled show, we're going to break down the tight ends, our final position position group breakdown. So lots of shows coming up, lots of fun. So make sure you come back and join us. So for Brian, I'm Vince. Thanks for joining us once again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.